Thanks for your swash paddling. 12 noon, this is uh, Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We welcome you to your Wednesday edition of the show as uh, we look at uh, top stories making headlines across the globe today. The World Economic Forum got underway in earnest in Cape Town today. The theme is delivering on Africa's promise. And the Public Works Minister Tulas Ngesi briefs Parliament on, among other things, clear guidelines and policies to control spending on uh, ministerial accommodation. These are other top stories coming up shortly, including that of Fergie uh, resigning, or rather retiring at uh, Manchester United. But first, uh, let's say good afternoon to Asanda Matsaunyan with the news. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Good afternoon, Bongi. Thanks. Zuma speaks on intra-African trade, and Sir Alex Ferguson is to step down. That's in the news this hour. President Jacob Zuma says low levels of intra-African trade continue to hamper the continent's economic growth potential. He's been speaking ahead of the World Economic Forum, which will resume in Cape Town tomorrow. According to the World Bank, Sub-Saharan Africa has experienced economic growth of between 5 and 6 percent. President Zuma says the integration of African regional economies is crucial to unlocking the continent's growth potential. These days, Africa has done something very important to accept the fact that without trade within itself, it would be weak. You can't have Africa being said is a growing economy, but the trade among itself is just 10%. And yet, the potential is huge. We have said we must develop and increase and expand the trade among the countries. That's why we talk about these regions being integrated. The Democratic Alliance says it has received a letter from the Office of the Auditor General, Terence Nombembe, confirming that his office will investigate the Gupta family saga. It's the latest in a series of probes by various departments after a chartered plane carrying at least 200 wedding guests made a controversial landing at Vatterklof Air Force Base in Pretoria. Several officials from international relations, defense and police departments have been suspended over the saga. The DA's Dea and Kola Barnard says they welcome the investigation. The Board of Healthcare Funders says an investigation into the private healthcare industry is long overdue. Yesterday, government announced that South African competition authorities will launch an investigation into the private healthcare industry. It says early evidence had shown high prices and market distortions. The board's managing director, Dr. Humphrey Zogufa. Right now, all the medical aid schemes are under pressure to pay the provider whatever the provider charges, whereas the provider has no guide, legally speaking, on what it is he or she can charge, which means the medical schemes are faced with this uncontrolled liability and this uncertainty of having to provide for money to pay for services which they don't have control over in terms of costings. Advocate Dalimpofu's cross-examination of Major General Carl Annandale has got off to a rocky start. This has forced the Madagana Commission Chairperson, Judge Ian Fallum, to intervene regularly. He's told Mpofu, who is representing the wounded and arrested mine workers, that the questions he's been asking Annandale have either been answered before or their responses are contained in the statement that Annandale has provided to the Commission. May I say this to you? The time we have available is limited. Please, I want everyone to think of it as water in a bucket. Every drop that's wasted is is, is something that we will regret. So let's carry on using using the water as profitably as we can. 
It's official. Sir Alex Ferguson will step down as Manchester United manager at the end of the season after 26 years in charge. The 71-year-old Scott has won 38 trophies since taking over from Ron Atkinson on November 6, 1986, including this season's Premier League title. His haul includes 13 titles, two Champions League's crowns, five FA Cups and four League Cups. Ferguson, who will take on the dual role of director and ambassador for United, has praised the people he feels helped him build the club into one of the biggest in the world. The BBC's Dan Rowan reports. It is a hugely significant day, not just for Manchester United, but of course for English football as well. Let's not forget, this is a man who arrived at Old Trafford in 1986. He's been in charge for around 27 years. He's won everything there is to win in the game. He's won two European Cups, two other finals in European uh, football's Premier Club competition. He's won 13 Premier League titles, five FA Cups, several League Cups and various other honours throughout a distinguished, at times controversial, but always successful tenure in charge. Back home, the Western Cape Education Department has warned that learners who will bunk school for the Justin Bieber concert will face disciplinary action. The department spokesperson, Brona Casey. The WCD has received reports of learners based outside Cape Town Stadium. We have yet to determine if there are learners at our public schools or at our independent schools or from other provinces. However, our learners were told that today is a normal teaching and learning day in our schools and therefore if they do bunk school to be at the concert early, there will be um, repercussions. Recapping the top story, President Jacob Zuma says low levels of intra-African trade continue to hamper the continent's economic growth potential. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Headlines at 12.30. Over to you, Bonk. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you, Asanda. It's uh, six minutes past 12. This is Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, it's official. Sir Alex Ferguson will step down as a Manchester United manager at the end of uh, the season after 26 years in charge. The 71-year-old Scott has won 38 trophies since uh, taking over from uh, Ron Atkinson. uh, That's uh, about uh, 26 years ago. Well, 13 English Premier League titles, two Champions League, five FA Cup, FIFA Club World Cup. Who can match that? But uh, who will take over from him? Uh, that That's uh, what I'd like to know from you. Is it um, the special one, Jose Mourinho? Uh, is uh, Pep Guardiola in the running? What about Arsene Wenger from next door in London? Is uh, I'm sure he's still happy at Arsenal, including uh, uh, this season's uh, Premier League titles, of, of course, uh, that was won by um, Sir Alex Ferguson. So we welcome your SMSs 34701 on that and many other stories. And um, we see uh, the Minister of uh, Public Service uh, and Administration, uh, the minister there, addressing the, the committee, portfolio committee, on turning the department into a mean machine. Uh, but also very interesting uh, is that uh, in a written answer uh, from the department it has been revealed that uh, some south africa has more public servants than uh, the u.s and uh, we seem to have a bloated cabinet and executive compared to other words very interesting uh, that piece of information
To our story, top story at this hour, Cape Town is uh, hosting the 23rd World Economic Forum on Africa. Uh, tonight, uh, there is a welcome reception given by President Jacob Zuma on behalf of uh, the government of South Africa. Over a thousand leaders and key decision makers from politics to business are at the Cape Town International Conference Center to discuss ways of delivering on Africa's promise. Yanni van Rensburg filed this report. While the rest of the world is struggling to recover from a global recession, Sub-Saharan Africa is expected to average an economic growth of around 5% this year. According to the World Bank, almost half of Africa's countries have attained middle-income status. The challenges are rising inequality, youth unemployment and fluctuating commodity prices. Over the next two days, Africa's leaders will look at ways of strengthening the continent's competitiveness in a global environment. At least 13 heads of state and around a thousand business and political leaders will be attending to discuss issues as diverse as mapping the African infrastructure landscape, busting myths on investing in Africa, unlocking entrepreneurship and looking at the oceans as a new frontier for Africa. 38 of the 54 African countries have direct access to a coast and ocean-related activities employ over 50 million people on the continent. Looking at how African economies are expected to transform over the next 50 years, delegates will discuss how political and geopolitical tensions in the region will be managed. Zimbabwe's Prime Minister Morgan Shangarai will also be attending to give an interesting insight on the current state of affairs and the future of Zimbabwe. Yanni van Rensburg, Cape Town. It's at 10 minutes past 12. This is a midday live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk now to our economics reporter, Tsepo Mongwai. Uh, of course, President Jacob Zuma saying that uh, low levels of uh, intra-African trade continue to hamper the continent's economic growth potential. Uh, he's speaking, of course, ahead of uh, the WEF, uh, which uh, starts in Cape Town uh, tonight with uh, that uh, welcoming reception. And according to the World Bank, Sub-Saharan Africa has experienced economic growth of between 5 and Six percent, Etsepo. Economic growth of between five and six percent, according to the World Bank, is this enough? And of course, what else can you tell us about uh, preparations uh, for the uh, WEF starting uh, tonight? Well, at a growth of around five percent, I think it's much better compared to the kind of growth levels that are currently being seen in many developed economies, uh, where they are seeing economic growth of around two, three percent. Uh, whereas here on, on the sub-Saharan Africa, we see growth uh, north of uh, 5%. Uh, unfortunately, South Africa is still a laggard with growth of just under 3, uh, 3%. But definitely what is happening here, we're seeing a lot of interest from business, both emerging and big business that have gathered here. And we would think that perhaps, you know, uh, if a business a person who is in business and is not here, the World Economic Forum is really losing uh, losing. Uh, because uh, speaking to ordinary uh, delegates who came to attend in, they're looking for to, to, for, 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 to expand their business. They're looking to speak to uh, government officials to explain certain um, policies, uh, to see how they can grow their business, who they can meet. They've got meetings lined up. So it is an opportunity to network uh, and to find ways of growing a business and expanding into the rest of Africa. Because indeed what is needed at the moment, where we think that Africa does not 
uh, attract enough foreign direct investment from Western countries. Africa and African countries uh, need to start uh, trading and, and growing and, and, and starting to grow into trade, as the president earlier said, that we need to start doing business with one another. And that is the spirit that we're seeing here. People with interest in mining, people in, in, with interest in, 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 in properties, they are indeed trying to find ways of speaking to the right people who they can partner with and, and speak to government officials where they're looking to expand their business into those countries. You're talking about uh, intra-trade, which was uh, obviously uh, emphasized by President Jacob Zuma, but uh, one needs to look at uh, removing uh, the so-called bureaucratic red tape. I mean, regist- registration of businesses here in South Africa is problematic. You, you, you talk of issues of visas, for instance, if you want to go and do business in, uh, in, uh, in other countries. In just the SADC region, it becomes an issue. So those, uh, those uh, bureaucratic red tapes need to be removed. Yeah, there are sessions where they are discussing issues of our policies and how they can make business uh, thrive and investment thrive on the continent. Issues of red tape, it's still a major concern. And remember that in many African countries, as much as they want to open their gate to attract more investment, they're also trying to protect their people. They're also trying to protect their existing business. So there the is that... A, a, a striking balance that they're, they're trying to, 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 to achieve uh, to, to, to ensure that they don't damage their businesses as they open or liberalize uh, their, their own markets. But there are government officials, uh, there are about 14 head of states that are coming here to attend and also to interact with business. Uh, and, and I must say that also, although they're saying that this is an interaction between academic, uh, academias uh, uh, the, the social uh, uh, part of, of communities, the, 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 the most in, in engagement and interaction seems to be among business and between business and government. All right, but Tsepo, uh, uh, from, from interacting with uh, a whole lot of people there, what, what kind of sense are you, are you getting? What is the focus of this, uh, of this uh, uh, forum? Is it focusing on trade? Is it focusing on growth in Africa? I see here uh, our own finance minister saying that uh, unbeatable growth path to lift Africa. Is it focusing on investment? Is it focusing on uh, FDI? I know the theme is delivering on Africa's promise. I think primarily uh, people that I've spoken to, they're talking about infrastructure development on the continent. Mm. Uh, That's one area. Uh, Business people, they know that Africa is looking out to grow. And to grow, they need to uh, boost their infrastructure. Roads must be constructed, bridges, uh, buildings, uh, all those things, harbors. So if you're a company, you would want to be part of that. You want to have a slice of those business opportunities that are currently taking place. Mining as well is one area that people that I've spoken to, they're interested in. So they want to take advantage, meet people that they would ordinarily not have an opportunity to meet and discuss and exchange business cards. So it is one area, uh, a property as well. There are those who are looking at, uh, you know, building property office. Uh, in, in the rest of Africa uh, and also here in, in, in South Africa. So there is interest in, in that particular, particular area as well. 
Very interesting. Uh, you're talking about infrastructure development and investment in that area. But uh, I heard one of the speakers there highlighting that uh, some 80 million jobs could be lost in China. So uh, suggesting that uh, we should pick up on those industries that are, are weakening and uh, shedding jobs. Uh, talking about uh, the uh, clothing and textile industry, for instance. Are, are there talks around that? I know in, in Nigeria already they are focusing on that as one of their many other uh, key drivers of uh, job creation. Uh, interestingly, uh, what I've noticed is that we don't have quite a lot of delegates from China or Chinese companies. There are a few, I think one or two, uh, but they didn't seem to have attended in big numbers one would have expected. But we know that China at the moment is experiencing its own share of problems. It has rising inflation, uh, wage demands are increasing, uh, so they're not exporting as much as they used to export. They tend to domestic demand. Uh, and they're trying to find ways of stimulating their own uh, domestic demand because they realize that they can no longer sustain the economy uh, through exports. So that is why at the moment we're seeing a slowdown in the Chinese economy. And I think that kind of caught most of people off guard in China. Uh, but it is the reality of the economy. It's cyclical in its nature, and it keeps on changing all the time. Mm. So Africa... Is, is, is aware of those developments as much as, of course, we're still attracting uh, investments from China. But uh, there is that caution that has emerged that we need to be careful in terms of what is it that we want from China. So businesses and, and, and governments on, on the continent are scrutinizing investments from China. But oh. at the same time, there is that resonance that they need to start doing business among each other and not just rely on business uh, and in, on foreign direct investments from 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 China. Okay. And, and although we can talk about foreign direct investments from China, South Africa or Africa at large is not really attracting much foreign direct investments. We know South Africa and and, and Nigeria they are the main countries that continue to attract uh, a, a larger share of foreign direct investment on the African continent. Okay. But that is as much as that. Right. There isn't much foreign direct investment coming on the continent. Sepo Mungwai, thank you very much. Our economics reporter in Cape Town attending the World Economic Forum, which uh, kicks off with uh, uh, reception this evening. 18 minutes past 12. Midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Our top story this hour, President Jacob Zuma says that low levels of intra-African trade continue to hamper the continent's economic growth potential. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,451.01 an ounce, platinum at $1,484.75 an ounce. The rand is trading at 9 rand 6 cents to the US dollar, 1403 to the pound and 1188 to the euro. Tired of working for a boss? Want to own your own business? Then don't miss the International Franchise Expo at the Santon Convention Center from 9 to 11 May. See the latest franchise brands, shop for exciting business opportunities, and get expert advice at the Speaker's Corner. With the economy in recovery, now is the time to start your own business and be your own boss. TV Licenses invites you to experience any and everything that is franchising today. Remember, the International Franchise Expo, 9 to 11 May, Santon Convention Center. TV licenses, making a difference.
Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. 7 million children in South Africa go to school every day without shoes. Join Flip Friday movement in partnership with SAFM. Let's make a difference to a soul this winter by wearing a pair of flip-flops on Friday the 31st of May 2013. Purchasing a pair of flip-flops will afford an underprivileged child to own a pair of school shoes. To join the movement, go to www.flipflopfridaymovement.co.za Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 21 minutes past 12. This is a Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's stay with uh, the World Economic Forum, of course, uh, taking place in Cape Town. Uh, it's uh, the 23rd WEF on uh, Africa. Let's talk now to Stefan Wilms, partner from a Partner of uh, Africa Enablers. Good afternoon to you, Stefan. Good afternoon. How joining us indeed, uh, I'm fine. Joining us indeed from uh, our uh, makeshift Cape Town studio there, uh, focusing on this. And also, let's talk to Alma Kemel, director of uh, STI. Good afternoon to you, Alma. Uh, hello. Hi. Let's start with you, uh, Stefan. Really, uh, your organisation. Uh, what uh, do you do? What 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 do you focus on? Uh, partner of uh, Africa Enablers. What is it all about? Well, our company. Um, develops wind and uh, solar energy projects all in sub-Saharan Africa, and we put equity into projects that other people have in, uh, have developed. Mm. So, uh, so you've come to the World Economic Forum to do what? Well, it's a good opportunity to uh, get to know um, those who are into energy, into infrastructure and financing in other African countries who are um, trying to set up such infrastructures um, all over Africa, also cross-border, and mostly they are either looking for technical expertise or they're looking for funding, whereas you have uh, a lot of uh, debt funding from the banks uh, in Africa, but there's nearly no equity at the moment, which is inhibiting um, the installation of electricity infrastructure. Mm. And uh, you couldn't have come at, a, at an opportune time when, uh, when Africa really is looking to invest in itself, uh, talking about uh, infrastructure uh, investment, for instance, uh, this is this is the perfect moment for you. It somehow is, I assume. That's why we're here. But uh, I don't think that Africa is yet uh, investing enough uh, into its own infrastructure. It has Sub-Saharan Africa has about a hundred um, gigawatts. That's a hundred thousand megawatts of electricity. That's only half of what Germany has, with um, only one tenth of the population in Germany, and it's only one tenth of what China has. So um, I, I assume that in the next fifteen years we need to invest about two hundred uh, billion U.S. dollars only into the generation of electricity, and then we'll have not even caught up with India in in the African subcontinent. So. There's still a lot, a lot to do. All right, uh, let me uh, bring you in, uh, Alma Kemal here, Director of STI. Please, it's an acronym there. Can you tell us uh, what STI stands for and uh, what are you here to do? Um, FTI is an acronym, remains that as our brand, um, but we provide advisory services of different types. Uh, we do a lot of restructuring. Um, my team does... Um, 
due diligence, uh, pre-investment due diligence mainly. Um, we help our clients to manage their reputational, political and regulatory risks. We um, have a number of clients investing in Africa at the moment and it's a very um, exciting time. Mm. Um, we have a lot of mining clients and um, private equity firms looking to invest in Africa. Um, and so I'm here at the forum to really learn more about these risks and how to help clients manage them. In uh, going about your, your daily duties, you're talking about uh, due diligence and uh, reputational issues. <laughs> some would say Africa is, uh, at, as I say, some would say Africa, parts of it, synonymous, synonymous with, uh, with uh, corruption, uh, you know, in government when they are dealing, uh, getting into deals and so on and so on. Do you find that uh, this statement is true, number one? And number two, what do you do uh, about that? It's certainly very challenging. Um, there are a lot of businesses that are in many African countries um, very closely tied to political interests and it, um, it is always challenging to understand how exactly the licenses were obtained, especially in mining and um, oil and gas sector. But we um, look at it on a case-by-case basis and um, try to understand exactly what uh, has happened in the past and what is likely to happen in the future and advise our clients accordingly. Um, sadly, often against investments, but um, but there are some really good success stories as well. Mm. But uh, do you think this uh, poses a challenge uh, for, for investors, especially investors coming from the outside inward, uh, who will bring the foreign direct investment that is so needed on the continent? It is a tremendous challenge and there is a lot to be um, done from both sides, the investor side, to understand these challenges and manage them um, or avoid risks. Um, but also there is a lot to be done from the regulatory side and from the government side to minimize these risks and uh, put a stop to conflicts of interest um, mm. and corruption. Do you think uh, uh, governments here, heads of uh, state, for instance, who are here, are going to talk quite seriously about that? Or is it just another gathering? Well, I remain hopeful that there will be a, a serious um, investment into the debate. Um, the debates are yet to start, um, but I, I hope that, um, that there is some commitment. Mm. And uh, Stefan, let's come back to you. The issue of uh, uh, electricity, energy, investing in power, for instance, is at the heart of uh, development uh, on the continent. Well, at least everywhere else in the world. Uh, here in South Africa, for instance, we have uh, new uh, power stations that are coming up. Metubi Power Station is one of them. Uh, it's under construction. It should be uh, ready uh, towards the end of the year. But uh, do you find that uh, governments are taking this quite seriously, uh, the in investment in, uh, in electricity, and so that then that stimulates uh, economic growth. Well, let, you, let me give you another comparison. Mm. About 50% of the electricity installed is currently in South Africa, uh, in, in African uh, electricity. And uh, if you say that this power station is going to come online uh, end of the year, then let me um, just compare it to China, where you have one power station going online basically every week at this point in time. Mm. So the speed of development is much higher in China and in other Asian countries than in uh, Africa, although some African countries do show a very high uh, GDP growth um, coming from very low normally. But um, 
the the, the question is why why is it so slow here and um, maybe I can come back to your earlier comment mm. uh, it's it's a lot about regulation it's a lot about decision making and it sometimes about corruption also but if it takes a government half a year to write a letter because its own system is not managing to kind of get the decision right then this is half a year that an investor has to wait um, while he's he might even be on the ground with an office and he's and nothing is moving so that's quite a high cost for an investor and that's definitely a risk uh, a risk doesn't need to be um, war or um, uh, natural disaster or anything of like that that's that's of course always possible but the real risks in investing are um, losing time because people don't decide um, mm. having to pay millions in bribes so that you get a license uh, things like that or kind of risking to invest into something that you know somebody else is going to take away from you after two or three years when you've done it and in infrastructure this risk is especially high because it's very difficult to take um, a hydro dam out of the country again. Uh, with air, air, airplanes, you can do that. You just fly them out and you, you park them somewhere in London. But um, a hydro dam or a wind farm um, is just stuck in the country and you can't do anything about it. Very interesting. Uh, I've got to thank you both, uh, uh, Stefan Wilms, partner uh, of uh, Africa Enablers, uh, that's uh, the company, and of course uh, talking to Alma Kemel as well, director of FTI, uh, coming to South Africa, coming to Cape Town, coming to the World Economic Forum, really to learn, uh, but also to interact with uh, a number of uh, guests, uh, decision makers uh, from politics to business who are there. And uh, tonight uh, there's a welcome reception given by President uh, Jacob Zuma on behalf of the government of the Republic of uh, South Africa. And uh, of course we'll be monitoring this for the next uh, couple of days still to come. We welcome your SMSs also 34701 on anything that is on your mind right now, including Alex Ferguson retiring. Yes. After 26 Trending years. so much on Twitter. That's I can imagine. <laughs> topic of the week I'm sure. Uh, yeah, that's uh, 12.30 now and uh, it's time for the news headlines uh, with Asanda Matsawanyan. Thanks, Bongi. The Auditor General, Terence Nombembe, has confirmed that his office will investigate the use of state resources by the Gupta family. This is in relation to the landing of a privately chartered plane at the Vatatglov Air Force Base in Pretoria. President Jacob Zuma says low levels of intra-African trade continue to hamper the continent's economic growth potential. He's been speaking ahead of the World Economic Forum, which will resume in Cape Town tomorrow. And it's not clear who will take over from Sir Alex Ferguson, who has announced his intention to retire at the end of the current season. I think they should just let him decide who his successor should be. <laughs> he didn't like uh, Jose Mourinho that much, so <laughs> <laughs> if he's the one to decide, there'll be a problem there. You think so? I tell you. But there are two names, mm. Pep Guardiola and uh, Jose Mourinho, Yeah. as far as I'm concerned. If you want to continue on this uh, trajectory of uh, uh, Manchester really collecting uh, uh, trophies, I think yeah. that's the one. But I mean, he will remain the director and an ambassador for Man U, so... He's there. He'll have a say. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Nancy Richards, what's coming up on your Wednesday edition of Otherwise? Well, absolutely no opinion on Sir Alex Ferguson, I have to say. <laughs> He's a bit of a legend, isn't he? But what we're talking about on Otherwise today is it's Wednesday. It's our help desk. So we're looking at bipolar disorder. What is it? How does it affect you? How does it affect your family? We're looking at ways of, uh, we're looking at causes and ways of coping. We're going to be discussing that with 
Suzanne Leighton, she's a member of the Allied Health Professional Council with a special interest in mental health. So any indication of it in your family or if you've got any uh, experience of it, give us a call, 0892102010. That's bipolar disorder. That's on otherwise at 1 o'clock. Thanks, Bongi. Thank you very much, Nancy. Natalie Gimanos, what's going on at the Soweto opening? Well, at the moment, uh, the proceedings on Sense Court have just come to a slight halt only because the singles on Sense Court is finished for the day and then we await the start of the doubles. On Centre Court, we just seen Sunil Simmons go through to the quarterfinals, and that's after she beat fellow South African Natasha Faraklis in straight sets 6-3 and 6-2. Faraklis only had one opportunity to break the serve of Chanel Simmons, and she just wasn't able to convert. Whereas, on the other hand, Simmons had three breakpoint opportunities throughout the match, and she was able to convert every single one of them. It was a very tough matchup for Faraklis, who has come off quite serious injuries. She had a hip problem and also a fractured hand which she still wears a brace on at the moment to ensure that she keeps that safe. So a very tough matchup for her in the second round. But Chanel Simmons is looking quite good, but she is going to be moving on now to the quarterfinals and she could more than likely face the number two seed, Julia Glasko, who's on court at the moment in the quarterfinals. So that will certainly be a tough draw for her at that stage of the tournament. A little bit earlier on today, we saw the number one seed struggle a bit to get through to the quarterfinals, but she made it through in three sets. Tamea Babosh of Hungary beat Pimra Osgan of Turkey 6-2-4-6 and 6-1 and then there was a shock result on court number 3 with the number 6 seed being knocked out Yovana Yaksic of Serbia was knocked out by fellow Serb Teodora Mercic in 3 sets 2-6-6-1 and 6-2. Natalie Jimanis for SAFM Sport Thank you very much uh, there Natalie Jimanis and uh, very uh, hilarious, funny uh, <laughs> SMS here coming through from Matula uh, to Lara saying that I think Jomosono can take over at uh, Manchester United. Ha ha ha. And uh, Fergie won 49 trophies. Moyes is next manager but uh, no one will ever match the great one. Uh, that's uh, that one coming through from uh, Allen. Of course uh, I hear David Moyes is the one who is uh, being tipped to take over there because the other two, of course, they have a long-term contracts with their clubs. Uh, Arsenal coach is the right man to replace Fergie. That's uh, NG Guatema. Uh, only three teams can uh, will uh, or win the English league. So uh, the new manager has a one in three chances of uh, success. Uh, let uh, dear Gary Bailey uh, take uh, the job. Okay, Gary Bale is our own here in South Africa. He was uh, a goalkeeper at Kaiser Chiefs and uh, at uh, Manchester as well. Uh, the DA should not be too optimistic on the investigation of uh, Guptas by SARS. Fact is, since 2008, SARS has never made any uh, findings against uh, President uh, Zuma Pels there, says Pio in KwaZulu-Natal. And um, this one, I have warned this nation a good time ago that the Guptas are corrupting our nations. Um, the state president should uh, resign. Uh, that's uh, Paseka Makoti there. And uh, of course, I'll be reading the rest of uh, your SMSs. And uh, we'll be playing a short clip on um, uh, Ferguson as well, coming through from Italy, uh, from uh, Munda, BBC Munda there. So we'll be looking at uh, that particular story as well. It's uh, 25 minutes uh, to one. Uh, let's talk now to the CEO of uh, MTN, Ivory Coast. Uh, that's uh, Vim Van Helepute. Uh, the issue really is that uh, Ivory Coast's government has named MTN as one of five companies that risks losing operating licenses due to poor uh, levels of service 
in that country. The company has come under pressure from other African countries. Ghana told the mobile operator to stop issuing SIM cards until it betters its service. Um, let's let's talk to uh, um, Vim here. How, how true is this and what seemed to be the problem? Good afternoon, um, thanks for talking to me. I'd just like to put the record straight. Uh, the minister was on a, was on a visit uh, on Monday in our offices, uh, and uh, we have very good relations with the Minister of Telecoms, with the regulator here in Ivory Coast, um, and the minister just made a general comment uh, concerning uh, the quality of service of, of the networks. And we are six or even seven operators here in Ivory Coast, Uh, because obviously they want to make sure that all the operators are giving the best quality to their customers. Mm. And it was just a broad statement uh, that, uh, of course, they want the best quality, and, and the regulator is doing a regular regular verification of the network quality, and MTN here in Agri Coast is coming out as number one on all of these quality measurements that the regulator is organizing. So there is absolutely no immediate threat to MTN here in Africa that we would be in trouble concerning the license. Uh, on the contrary, I think there are a lot of auto operators uh, that have, uh, would I say, a network coverage of mm. which is far but behind uh, MTNs, uh, and maybe those are the ones that uh, should be a bit concerned. But uh, where, where, where are these reports coming from? Where are these reports coming from, uh, Mr. Van Helepute? Well, you know, the, we, we had a short press, press conference with the local press uh, after the, the minister's visit, uh, and what the minister commented on, on the quality of the networks. We also made comments uh, on some of the smaller networks uh, that would not be uh, up to date with their payments concerning the license. Uh, so there, there are some concerns that some of the smaller operators have not been paying uh, completely their license fees. And so he made a statement saying that within the next six months, uh, they will verify all the payments due to the authorities uh, by the telecom operators. And if any of the operators would not be uh, compliant with all the payments due, then they could threaten to, to withdraw the license of those who would not be compliant. Obviously, obviously MTN and Avril Coast, we are compliant uh, with all the payments uh, on license uh, fees that are due, uh, so there is absolutely no risk uh, that MTN would be part of those that uh, would be threatened uh, losing their license because of not being up to date with their payments. Uh, on the contrary, we are the biggest uh, tax contributor here on Agri Coast, uh, so those comments were really not addressed to NTN. They were more addressed to some of the smaller operators that are uh, mm. up to date with their payments. Staying there in Western Africa, Ghana, for instance, uh, we told uh, oper- uh, you've been told there to stop issuing SIM cards until you better your service. I know you're based in Ivory Coast, but uh, talk us through that. Have you been talking to your colleagues in Ghana, and uh, what are you hearing from them? cannot comment on Ghana. I mean, I'm only finding it out uh, as you speak uh, that my, my MTN Ghana would be facing the, 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 this problem. I, I haven't talked with my colleague yet. I'm sure we, we will discuss over that uh, between country CEOs, but uh, I cannot make any comment on that. I, I, I'm not aware, uh, not informed on the issue uh, that MTN Ghana would be facing. Uh, I have a, 
All right, uh, we thank you very much, uh, the CEO of uh, MTN Ivory Coast. That's Vim Van Van Helepute there talking to us about uh, reports uh, that uh, Ivory Coast government has named MTN as one of uh, the five companies that risk losing operating licenses due to poor uh, service uh, delivery there. And of course, you hear in Ghana, uh, the government there has uh, asked the operator to stop issuing SIM cards until it betters its uh, services. Public Works Minister Tula Nglesi has briefed Parliament on the department's budget vote. Nglesi has stressed that clear guidelines and policies are needed to control spending on ministerial accommodation. Uh, let's talk now uh, um, to our reporter in Cape Town, Abongwe Kobokana. Uh, uh, Abongwe, just uh, talk us through the highlights of uh, Minister Tula Nglesi's briefing to Parliament today. I know the issue of uh, upgrades uh, to President Jacob Zuma's Gandla uh, home also spent on uh, the so-called prestige projects uh, came through? Uh, yes, uh, Bongi. Firstly, I should perhaps uh, by mentioning that, uh, that the minister, yesterday, Minister Nasi had a briefing, a media briefing on his budget votes today. And uh, much of what he said uh, today was exactly what he pronounced on yesterday. Uh, but nonetheless, to answer your question, yes, you're right. I think some of the most important issues that came out was on this issue of the prestige uh, project. As you will remember that uh, uh, an investigation was launched to look at the expenditure on the renovation of ministerial houses. And after it uh, it emerged that about 100 million uh, was spent on, on renovating about 11 houses, I think. So Nasi today told the House that this investigation is now being is extended to Cape Town. And that this follows a completion of the uh, of the Pretoria first leg and also among other things that he touched on on the expanded public works uh, program which is the flagship of the department in any case and uh, he mentioned that and and and, and he mentioned that uh, there the, 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 the is a significant progress uh, with regard to that as particular in reaching the 4.5 million a working opportunity target and uh, also now government is planning to increase this target by 1.2 million for 2013 and 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 2014 financial year another thing he mentioned on bongi was uh, as you will remember that the department has since established a turnaround strategy uh, to look uh, uh, to to address some of the challenges within it and uh, these include the issues of supply management and corruption activities so he said he is happy with the progress in that regard. And uh, he also mentioned that these programs have been rectified, and some of these programs have been uh, rectified, uh, and, and 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 make some reassurances that uh, no stone will be left unturned in, in doing that. Hmm. On the issue of Nganda, um, nothing much he spoke about on you know, but uh, he, he mentioned that. Uh, some of the problems on this security upgrade on President Jacob Zuma's residence was rooted in the failure on 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 on, on, on supply chain management processes and and also poor management and and, and lack of uh, accountability. Then he gave assurances again that uh, those who are involved uh, in the uh, uh, officials, to be specific, they will be dealt with. All right, and uh, in terms of uh, the budget allocation itself, and uh, how did he allocate his budget? Where where is the bulk of the money going? Oh, yes. yeah. uh, 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 He told the House that uh, 
the budget allocation for for his department uh, has been reduced by 20 percent uh that means from a total budget of 7.7 billion in the last financial year to 6.2 billion for 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 2013 and 2014 financial year and uh, among the reasons that uh, he gave was that uh, was what he called a decrease uh, on 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 the uh, adjustment to the department's baseline over the medium term and then and then uh, he, he, he elaborated saying that one of uh, much of of this money is going to be spent on the infra, uh, infrastructure programs and also on the issue of uh, skills and training as part of uh, 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 of, of of this department's uh, uh, main 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 goals abonga kobukana thank you very much uh, and uh, uh, with that, then we go to the dealing room and we say good afternoon to Mpo Moore of Sasfin Securities. Mpo, how are we trading after a record close in the U.S.? Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. Our market is trading high above the 40,000 level with the most indices in the green after the Dow closed above 15,000 points for the first time ever. Markets are also famous in Europe where the foot is up a quarter of a percent, DEX up half a percent and the CAC 40 is 065 of a percent better. Back to the JSC, we've got the gold index down 1.1%, resource index up 1.45%, industrial index up 1.4%, financial index up 1.1%. The overall market is up 498 points, or 1.25% to 40,320 points. Any results and uh, trading news from corporate news? Uh, we've had uh, results from Astropec, Altron, and a trading update uh, from ESO Frankie. We'll start with Astropec. Uh, they released their full year result. Uh, headline earnings per share from continuing operations were down 67.6% to 18 cents, as against 55 cents previously. No dividend was declared, and Astropec is currently trading 2.1% lower at 7 rands and 5 cents. Altron also released their full year result, diluted basic loss per share. Uh, was down 256% to a loss of 86 cents as against the diluted basic earnings per share of 55 cents previously. A dividend of uh, 60 cents per share was declared. Altron is currently trading flat at uh, 20 rand and 49 cents. And lastly, ESO Frankie announced that the headline earnings per share for the year end at 28 Feb are expected to be between 206% and 240% higher. ESO Frankie is currently trading 15.4% higher at 1 rand and 35 cents. And uh, big movers today? Uh, on the upside, we've got the uh, African Bank up 7.7 percent to 23 rands. Spare Corp up six and a quarter percent to 32 rands and 40 cents. Invicta up four percent to 101 rands and 35 cents. EOH up 3.7 percent to 54 rands and 98 cents. Liberty Holdings up 2.1 percent to 121 rands and 80 cents. On the downside, we've got uh, Trenco down two and a quarter percent to 61 rands and 54 cents. Uranium One down 2.1 percent to 24 rands and 41 cents. Robex down 2 percent to 19 rands and 15 cents. Goldfields down 1.9 percent to 60 rands and 35 cents. And lastly, Life Healthcare down 1.7 percent to 36 rands and 50 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators. The gold price is currently quoted at $1,453.40 an ounce, platinum $1,486.85 a fine ounce, Brent crude $103.40 per barrel, the government R157 is trading at a yield of 5.06%, 
and now to our currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 9 rands and 7 cents. The rent to the euro is at 11 rands and 92 cents. And the rent to the pound is at 14 rands and 6 cents. Back to you, Bonk. Thank you very much, Paul More of Sasfin Securities. I'm Mavis Matawata. In 2006, I worked on a community project planting Moringa trees, which boost immune systems. I saw a business opportunity and acted on it. In 2010, I was awarded Female Entrepreneur of the Year by Total and the Department of Agriculture. With the prize money, I began exporting and created even more jobs. I'm proud to be a part of Total achieving the Level 2 Triple B EE status. Mavis, we couldn't be prouder of you. Total. The journey of transformation continues. Join me, Vuyombuli, this Thursday and Friday, the 9th and the 10th of May, as I come to you live from the Hotel Investment Conference Africa, Hika, at Elangeni Hotel, Durban. Hika is a premier business-to-business networking platform focused on showcasing Africa as a viable investment destination for the hotel and hospitality sector. For more information, visit www.hika.co.za. This broadcast is made possible by the Tourism Business Council South Africa in partnership with the province of KwaZulu-Natal. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. And let's go to the UK now. It's not clear who will take over from Sir Alex Ferguson, who has announced his intention to retire at the end of the current season. Reports over the future of uh, the 71-year-old began sweeping Manchester earlier today. This after United's players were apparently told that the club would make a major announcement at uh, the final home game of uh, the season on Sunday. Sir Alex is British, uh, British football's most successful manager. He will take a seat on the board and also become an ambassador of the club. But how was Ferguson viewed in South America? Was he as popular there as he was in the UK and perhaps the rest of the world? The BBC's Mundo correspondent Jose Pinochet explains. Well, you, you can imagine everybody is talking in the social networks uh, at the moment about one of the main figures in the football in the last uh, 20 years or more, 30 years. Uh, Alex Ferguson, of course, for what he has achieved here and uh, during all these times, all the titles and his relation with some of the South American players like the Argentinians, uh, Juan Sebastián Verón and uh, Gabriel Heinze in the past and nowadays with uh, the Mexican Javier Chicharito Hernández and the Ecuadorian Antonio Valencia, of course, is this kind of relation, but I think uh, mainly everybody in South America admires him, admires uh, the way he has uh, been for so long in the same job. And Ferguson was also seen as a controversial figure there. Here is just one instance that uh, the BBC's uh, Jose Pinochet can recall. It is, especially because in the way he departs uh, the relation with Gabriel Heinze that uh, after three years Heinze went to Real Madrid, uh, Heinze supposed to join Arsenal and Ferguson denied him to come down to London. So he fight between them and also with uh, Juan Sebastián Verón. Uh, Verón was one of the most expensive signs for Ferguson in his career at Manchester United, but Verón didn't work out at Old Trafford and then came out. Uh, he joined Chelsea after his experience uh, at Old Trafford. But- 
And uh, that's the BBC's Spanish Mundo correspondent, Jose Pinochet. Let's come back home now. And uh, the Public Services and Administration Minister, Lindewe Sisulu, has addressed the Portfolio Committee today on uh, turning the public service into a mean machine. A written answer today revealed that uh, South Africa has more public servants than the United States. And uh, we seem to have a bloated cabinet and executive compared to other countries. But uh, let's talk now to our reporter, Bulilani Philip. Good afternoon to you. To you and to the listeners. Uh, talk us through how Minister Lindiwe Sisulu intends uh, turning uh, the Public Service Administration into a mean machine. I think one of the things that the minister has highlighted is that uh, they want to deal decisively with corruption, and she's reiterated that uh, as government they are going to deal with this matter decisively. Uh, one of the things that uh, she says her department is busy with is trying to bring amendments to the Public Service Act where it will give the department powers to be able to investigate uh, people who are suspected of corruption. At the moment, uh, she is saying that they are unable to do that and they have to rely on the Hawks and the Special Investigating Unit, which are already outstretched by uh, some of the demands. So she's saying that uh, that aspect is going to be coming before Parliament uh, soon. Secondly, the one thing that she's emphasized is that uh, in terms of trying to professionalize the public service, she's saying that uh, government employees will now be compelled to undergo training in terms of the minimum and norms in terms of public service delivery. And she's saying that uh, that uh, special institution to train government employees is expected to open uh, in September, which will replace the current uh, training college, Palama. Mm. And lastly, one of the other things that she's saying that uh, she's going to do is that uh, she's saying that in terms of the National Development Plan, uh, it's advised that the department appoint a senior uh, government official that will be able to appoint uh, government's director generals because she's saying that uh, sometimes, you know, this uh, current system where it's the minister who has the prerogative of uh, uh, appointing DGs sometimes leads to frosty relationships. So she's saying that this new uh, government officials who will oversee the appointment of DGs may help, you know, to minimize that kind of a political interface and she's saying that that matter is also going to be in one of their plans and uh, briefly Bulelani here uh, did she say anything about uh, really proposing trimming uh, the public uh, service I mean saying that uh, it's it's one of the most uh, uh, bloated in the world well, the minister has been silent on that, you know, given that, uh, you know, this is a policy matter that uh, probably will have to be taking advice from the ruling party. But, uh, I mean, this is a matter that is worrying, uh, really, uh, with regards to the bloated system, according to uh, opposition parties. This is also a matter that has been coming up on an ongoing basis, because uh, okay. opposition parties are saying that, you know, uh, this bloated system is really uh, taking a huge chunk in terms of the way Bulelani Philip, we hope to talk some more. Thank you very much, our reporter in Cape Town. With that, time for Create with Michelle Constant. Create is proudly presented by Business and Arts South Africa, bringing the business of the arts and the art of business together. A week-long international poetry festival, Dancing in Other Words, is currently taking place at Spear in the Cape. The festival, which is a project between Spear and the Pirogue Collective, sees a group of renowned poets and literary figures from around the world, amongst them the Republic of Korea, China, Germany and Slovenia, come together in conversation, travel and translation. 
Renowned poet and human activist Breton Breitenbach is the curator of the festival and the founder of the Pirogue Collective. The Dancing in Underwoods Festival is a festival for poets and poetry taking place over about a week. We're spending the first part of the week traveling together. It'll be workshopping. It'll be quite informal. It's about the poets translating one another. These are all poets with tremendous rich backgrounds and experiences. So we're touching both on their work. We're touching on the situations of the countries that they come from, political and cultural. They will be interacting with musicians. That's already taking place. It should have ideally a kind of a ripple effect, setting off resonances in many other parts of our artistic and cultural community. And then we return to SPI, which is the essential base where we will be having two days of interacting with the public. Breitenbach explains the reason for the Festival of Poets and why it's important. Poets, I think, have a lot to say to the world, both uh, in terms of memory, in terms of texture of the world that's around them, and in terms of language, which is a very important tool that we all use and we misuse very badly. I think it's about time that poets make a concerted effort at recapturing and taking back the banalization of language, particularly as it's being used by politicians and in administration and all kinds of other ways. It's a one art form, oddly enough, that has not really evolved, it's not really changed ever since the beginning of human consciousness. And it's also the one form of expression which, however much we know it is language-bound, it definitely transcends languages and it transcends time and epochs and cultures. These are all the reasons why I believe it's very important to particularly make it possible for poets to get together and get down to the experience through their lives and through their cultures and the histories of what it's all about. One of the main themes which the poets are exploring is the ethics of imagination, or imagining ethics. The theme that's overarching this particular gathering of poets is very much the one of the ethics of imagination or imagining ethics. Why do we use words? Are we aware of the importance of words? Are we aware of the impact that this may have? How do we interact with the reality, the so-called reality around us, be it social, political, historical, etc.? How do we imagine it to be differently? To what extent are we responsible to the world in which we live for our own imagination? So these are both very kind of abstract and maybe marginal concerns for people who have to uh, go to work and make a living under very difficult circumstances. But it is at the same time something that's probably been very deeply part of human consciousness ever since the beginning. Award-winning Afrikaans poet Petra Muller believes that there's a huge misconception about poets. There, there is a misconception about poets to set them apart from the rest of the world. They are precisely those who are the most ordinary of the world. And if you date small children when they start talking, they talk in little phrases, and those phrases are pregnant with poetry. So it is not anything which is strange to our existences. Dominic Enthoven is a member of the Pirogue Collective and a board member of the Spear Arts Trust. She talks about the involvement of the organisation in the festival. Obviously for us, it's a particular privilege to work with an artist or a poet or writer like Brayden Breitenbach. I think that sometimes one just needs to create a space and give the people with the ideas the opportunity to make it happen. So I think it's important to us because you understand that you're backing excellence and imagination and innovation and something worthwhile will unfold from it. Enthoven says that the festival seeks to transcend the limitations of a more conventional arts festival format. I think the focus in many festivals has turned towards audience and ticket sales and entertainment. 
you know, as the arts become sort of under pressure. And I think the space that we've managed to create here is really for the poets also to have the opportunity to converse and engage with each other. And you suddenly realize, you know, that's where the kind of gold dust is, where it's not necessarily a case of presenting something to an audience, but allowing these people to almost have a master class of masters conversing with each other. For more information on the public programs taking place on Friday and Saturday at Spear, you can log on to www.dancinginotherwords.co.za. I'm Michelle Constant. This feature was produced by Monique Stunder, and you can email me on create at barsa.co.za. Create, proudly brought to you by Business and Arts South Africa, creating new opportunities for business arts partnerships. Email create at baza.co.za. And that does it for your Wednesday edition of Midday Live. Thanks to the team, Mabubuluka and Mandi Samtrelu. And uh, we've got technical producer today in Dogozo Kuzwayo, senior producer Nomalizo Mandela, executive producers Busi Chan and Aubrey Sechie. My name is Bongi Kuala. I'll return for your Thursday edition tomorrow, being the 9th uh, of uh, May. Till then, enjoy the rest of your listening on SAFM. Bye-bye.